Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 10, Seven Nocte joined their first team exercise and played Snatch. In this episode, Chapter 11, Seb does another team exercise and finally gets called into action. Alright, let's dive in. Alright, listen up. I'm going to go over the rules since Seb doesn't know them, Vivin shouted, bringing the Orin to attention. They were stood deep within the woods shortly after midday. The sky was clouded, but they would train rain or shine. With the captive game, there's three teams. Prisoners, allies, and guards. Alice and I will be the guards this time around. This decision was met with groans. And for the first round, Seb, Kirik, and Oraini will be the prisoners. Zan, Garday, and Sommer will be the allies. And of course, Griff is being punished for the wet paint prank he pulled last week, so he's patrolling until dinner tonight. Everyone assembled into their teams as Vivin continued. Prisoners are kept in a cave with their hands tied behind their backs. They are more than welcome to try to escape, and they will have no weapons available to them, and Alice and I will be at the mouth of the cave. The objective is for the allies to free every prisoner. You can use whatever weapons you have on you at the moment, and for this game, dragons aren't permitted. Remember that this is about strategy and teamwork. He looked pointedly at Zan, who looked away. You have until all three prisoners are free of both the cave and their bonds, or the allies are captured as well. So you aren't going out of your way to capture them, right? Seb asked. Right. Our main objective is keeping the prisoners captive, Vivin clarified. And then the allies and prisoners will swap sides. Before he walked to the cave, Seb asked Zan why Vivin had looked at him. Oh, I work best with my brother is all, Zan shrugged. The rope around the prisoners' wrists were tight, and wriggling free of their bonds wasn't a likely prospect. Kirik, Orani, and Seb sat in the gloomy cave, awaiting their allies. Should we try to think of a plan? Seb murmured. They were still within earshot of their guards, but Alice and Vivin had their backs to them. What do you propose? Kirik grumbled. His glasses had slipped down to an annoying spot on his nose, and he had no way of writing them. I don't know. You guys have played this game before, right? Do you have any past tactics that worked? They shook their heads. Alice and Vivin are the indomitable duo, Orani huffed. Maybe if there were other guards. Just sit back and relax, Seb. We have allies for a reason. But what if we didn't? Seb's honey-brown eyes met hers. We'd have to figure something out, right? Orani looked at Kirik, who shrugged stiffly. They could hear shouting outside, and Vivin and Alice moved away from the entrance. Come on, let's make a break for it. Seb knelt forward and pushed himself to his feet. The other two gazed up at him with knowing grins. Well, you go for it, Kirik smiled. Seb hesitated, thrown off by their reluctance. He wasn't the type to back down, however. Seb crept to the entrance. Vivin was holding back Garday with a duel, and Alice fended off Zan and Sommer. She had to constantly run between the two, since they were trying to reach the cave. Sebastian snuck out of the cave and around the side. It was at the base of a hill, and it was man-made. Therefore, it wasn't deep or rocky, but sandy inside the cave. Sebastian crept to the other side of the hill, 
and realized he still didn't have a way of freeing himself. It wasn't enough to have escaped the cave. He looked around for something sharp he could try and rub the rope against, but he was seized a moment later. Come on. Vivin kept a hand on Seb's shoulder as he guided him back to the cave. Did the others break free? Vivin chuckled. Your allies ran off to regroup. Seb sat back down next to his fellow prisoners with a sigh. Well, at least I tried. Vivin walked over to Kirik. Want me to fix those for you? He pointed to Kirik's glasses, nearly hanging off the end of his nose. I'd never accept kindness from my captor, Kirik proclaimed. Yeah, right. Vivin repositioned the glasses and pushed his friend's cheek teasingly. You can thank me later. He jogged out of the cave and rejoined Alice. After a solid 20 minutes, Seb groaned, Are we going to die of old age before something happens? Suddenly, an arrow shot through the cave and nearly pierced his knee. The young man jumped and Kirik laughed. Maybe not old age. He scrambled over to the arrow. Vivin and Alice were fighting the allies outside, and Kirik had enough time to use the arrowhead to cut his rope. He hastily untied Oraini, and as he was working on Seb's, Alice ran into the cave with her sword drawn. Drop it, prisoner! She cried with a playful grin. Kirk dropped the arrow and stood behind Seb with his hands raised. Oraini did the same. All right, I'm going to retie you. Out of the blue, Zan ran into Alice and threw his arms around her from behind, trapping her. Kirk lifted Seb to his feet, and the three prisoners ran out as Alice struggled to break free from Zan. Garday and Sommer had Vivin disarmed and backed up against a tree, so all Kirik had to do was untie Seb. Allies win, Zan cheered, emerging from the cave. Why do you have a red mark on your face? Sommer raised an eyebrow at a splotchy patch on his cheek. Oh, Zan laughed, blushing. I may have accidentally grabbed something of Alice's I shouldn't have, and she hit me. The ladies groaned and Seb snuck a glance at Vivin. His eyes were on Alice, who was still glaring at Zan. Switch positions, he shouted. All right, what's the plan, Oraini? Kirik asked once they were safely hidden in the woods from Alice and Vivin. I really hate having to go against them as a pair. Maybe we should just charge them, and Seb can run in and untie the prisoners as fast as possible. Kirik nodded, ruffling his short, dirty blonde hair. That might be the only way for us to win against those two. Seb raised his hand, and the adults looked at him curiously. You aren't in school anymore. You can just say what you're thinking, Kirik smirked. All right. Well, Seb cleared his throat. <clears throat> I have a plan. The prisoners sat quietly in the cave. Zan's cheek still stung from being slapped, but hey, he considered it to be worth it. They hadn't been sat for more than ten minutes before they heard Seb's voice from outside. I would like to exchange myself for one of the prisoners. Vivin and Alice looked at each other in surprise. But you'll be bound, and your weapon's removed, and you'll still end up with three prisoners to free, Alice said, puzzled. I'm aware, Seb replied solemnly. You can choose the prisoner to exchange, of course. The leaders contemplated the idea. What do you get out of it? Alice asked sharply. Nothing, really. Seb rubbed the back of his neck. But I'm new to this game, and figured having three experienced players as the allies was our best option. Vivin pursed his lips. Well, I'd rather you experience both sides. But since this is your first game, I'll humor you. He gestured for Seb to turn around, and he patted him down, thoroughly. 
Sorry this is a bit invasive, he mumbled as he ran his hands down the young man's inseams. All right, he's clear. Alice stepped forward and bound him and led him into the cave. She returned with Sommer, who was extremely confused. Sommer was freed and ran off to find Oranian Kirik. Seb sat cross-legged on the ground. Garde and Zan stared at him curiously. Did you miss me, Seb? Zan teased. Yep. Fighting broke out outside, and Seb instantly began to cough. His face was a bit twisted, and he coughed hard. They watched him quietly, mildly concerned, and he spit out a piece of cloth tied to a string. What in the underworld? Zan muttered, frowning deeply. Seb turned around and picked up the small piece of cloth, then repositioned himself so Alice and Vivin wouldn't take note. His arms jerked, but they couldn't tell what he was doing. Alice and Vivin were still distracted by the fighting. Seb broke out a sweat as he fidgeted. Seb, what the fu- Shh. Seb cut Zan off. The sound of metal clashing died off outside, and Seb murmured, Keep fighting. His rope snapped, and he shifted over to Garde, who was closest to him. There was shouting outside now, and Seb used a jagged metal shard to cut at Garde's rope. He cut through it much more quickly than he was able to on his own binds, and as soon as the rope was cut, he moved on to Zan. Seb was careful. He stayed seated and hid the cut rope, just in case Vivin and Alice looked inside at them. But the allies were keeping the guards distracted. Vivin and Alice whipped around as the prisoners ran out of the cave. They were caught so off guard that the three men were able to run past them and join their allies. How in the name of the greats did you manage that? Vivin asked incredulously. The allies were ruffling Seb's hair and patting his shoulder, laughing. It was all Seb! How? Alice asked, still shocked. Seb held up the small metal shard. This. I thought you searched him, Alice cried, shoving Vivin's arm. I did, Vivin responded, confused. I had it wrapped in a small piece of cloth, and I had the cloth tied to a string. He showed the edge of his shirt, which was ripped. The shard was from an arrowhead that we smashed pieces. I tied the other end of the string around my back tooth so I could retrieve the cloth easily. Then all I had to do was cut myself free. He rubbed his wrists, which were red and raw from friction. It took a while with such a little piece of metal. Vivin shook his head and turned away, so utterly surprised he didn't even know what to say. Alice grinned. How did you even think of that, Seb? Oh, Seb grinned with his boyish charm. I read it in a book somewhere. You know, Vivin folded his arms with a huff. If your plan went wrong, you would have had a piece of metal in your stomach. You could have been seriously hurt. Sebastian shrugged. I could have been, but I wasn't. Vivin looked unenthused, but his other team members praised him for his strategy. Days passed on, and sometime in the night, nearly two months into his stay with the Orin, he was shaken awake. Seb! Seb, get up! Griff said, his tone urgent. Seb sat up and looked around, bewildered. What's going on? Zan was pulling on his clothes, stumbling in the dark. Seb heard a deep, metallic ringing in the distance. A village needs our help. Come on, get dressed! Griff ran to the dresser and found his own clothes. Get your armor on, too, and grab your weapon, and your saddle, 
Zan ordered as he ran out of the door in full gear. Seb fumbled around for everything, strapping on his armor as fast as he could. This was what they were training for. They were finally being summoned for... for... for something. Seb felt ashamed at the excitement he felt. A village must be in dire danger to call on them. A fire, bandits, maybe even a rogue dragon attack. Nocte was already waiting for him on the cliff, alongside the other dragons. They were all saddled and nearly ready to go. Sommer was giving her nieces last-minute instructions. Help themselves to food if they were hungry, don't light fires while they're gone. Vivin and Alice were ensuring their crew was armed and ready. There you are, let's go! Vivin called to Sebastian. He helped him strap down the saddle. Alice is going to fly down to each village as we go, so stay with the rest of us. Alright everyone, to your dragons! As they took off one by one from the cliff, they looked impressive in the moonlight. As one dragon's wings were clear of the cliff, the next would take off. Alice led the way, and Vivin brought up the rear. The summer air was warm as it rushed past them. The dragons had excellent night vision, but the moon was bright enough that the tamers could see as well. Vivin had drilled Sebastian on the protocol for village alarms numerous times. Each village had a massive iron bell to sound if they needed assistance. A bell ringer was on duty at all times, and if they heard a bell from their sister village, further in proximity to the Oren, they too would sound their bell until the alarm reached the valley. Once they reached the first town with the alarm, Amber would quickly fly down to the ringer, see if they required assistance, and if not, rejoin the Oren above. Amber was an exceptional flyer, and the other dragons made a point of not waiting for her. She always caught up to her pride. As Ember descended to the second village, Seb wondered if it was necessary to check in at every village. Everything seemed peaceful and quiet below. Some lights were on in the windows of disturbed villagers, but otherwise it was easy to tell that it wasn't the village in need of assistance. It was protocol, however, and Ember rejoined the group promptly. The bell ceased ringing in that village, and they carried on to the next. The sky grew lighter, from navy to lapis to pastel blue in the matter of an hour. Dawn. It was approaching dawn, and they had yet to reach the town in trouble. A million questions raced through Sebastian's mind. When was the bell first rung? In what state was the town before the bell ringer decided to summon the tamers? And how long did it take for the ringing of the bells to reach the valley? Would it be too late to save the village? The dragon saw the smoke rising in the distance long before their tamers. There was no need to stop at the one village left before the smoke began, but Emmer did so anyway so the bell would cease ringing. The dragons increased their speed now that their destination was clear. Seb felt his limbs tingle with excitement, and he put a hand on his longsword. He planned on taking his greatsword, but Alice stopped him at the cliff and made him switch out the weapons. She didn't feel he was ready to use the heavy sword in battle yet. In his haste, he forgot to bring his gloves. It wasn't the end of the world. Maybe he would end up with a blister or two if he was using his sword for a long period of time. The dragons neared the smoking village, and they saw buildings on fire. Flames licked the sky, and no bell rang. Of course, Sub realized, there must be bandits below. They would have eliminated the bell ringer as soon as they found him, to try and prevent us from being signaled. Kaylee flew to the front of the pack and began her descent. 
The dragons landed on the edge of the town, and the tamers hopped off. Seb tried to focus on Vivin, who was giving them their orders. Shouting and screaming could be heard coming from the town, paired with the fires and the smoke. Everyone keep an eye on Seb, too. Let's go, Vivin ordered, and ran toward the smoking town. Seb felt his heart pound against his chest. He ran along with the others, but he had missed what Vivin had said. He knew that the town's name was Boft, but he had no clue what he was supposed to be doing. The dragons stayed on the edge of town, waiting in case their tamers needed them. The Orin broke apart, and Seb stood dumbly in the street, unsure of what he was supposed to do. Villagers were running past him in a panic. Bandits were in the process of pillaging, smashing windows, and brandishing their swords. Seb, come on! Orani shouted to his left. She looked annoyed, having to stop and call him. He jolted into action and sprinted to his teammate. Keep it together, Seb. I know this is new to you, but these people need our help. They ran side by side through the town, though Seb still wasn't aware of why. They reached the eastern edge of the village, at times having to jump over broken carriages and crates. Horse-drawn wagons were waiting for them, four of them. All right, we know that they're here, so we need to direct the villagers to them. Orini looked gravely serious, so different from her usual light-hearted demeanor. She took his face in her hands so that he was forced to make eye contact with her. Her blue eyes were hard, but caring. Are you okay to do this? Seb nodded, trying his best to look certain of himself. Orini headed back into the fray, and Seb looked around. This was his task, then. Round up villagers and get them to safety. The young tamer ran down the street, looking for people to help. Everyone was running and seemed occupied, carrying bags or buckets of water or anything precious to them. A man holding a small girl stood outside of a pillaged shop with a confused expression on his face. Seb took a deep breath and jogged over. Sir, are you all right? The man looked at him, even more confused than before. I'm a tamer with the Orin, and I'm here to help you. Seb kept his voice calm and friendly. Oh, the man looked around as if he'd lost something. My wife said she would meet us here, but... The poor man looked disgruntled. Why don't you tell me her name and what she looks like? I'll find her, and we'll meet you at the wagons at the end of this street. The man still looked uncertain as he hoisted the little girl further up on his shoulder. Please, trust me, Seb urged gently. Armed with a description and a name, Hannah, Sebastian ran through the streets of Boft. He stopped and sent other villagers towards the wagon if he saw people looking lost. Surprisingly enough, people listened to him once he said he was a tamer. They didn't question him. They were too panicked and scared to judge his young face. Help! A woman screamed. Sebastian darted into an alley, his hand on his sword. A woman was being backed against a wall by two bandits. Seb drew his sword and dashed to the nearest bandit, stabbing him in the side. The bandit crumpled to the ground and his fellow marauder drew a razor-sharp longsword. Sebastian didn't hesitate, and their swords barely had the chance to clash before the tamer had the better of the bandit. He turned to the terrified woman and realized who it was. You're Hannah, aren't you? What? How did you know? Hannah straightened her ruffled dress. Your husband was looking for you. Seb held out his hand. Come on, I'll take you to him. As they hurried through the streets, Seb saw Kirik helping villagers extinguish a blazing cart. His fellow tamer was covered in grime and drenched in sweat. The sun had long since risen, and the day was already growing hot. Hannah reunited with her husband and daughter, and they thanked Seb profusely. Sommer was at the wagons now, 
loading people into them. One wagon was already filled and sent off. Seb, Sommer called as she lifted a child into the wagon. He jogged over and Sommer wiped sweat from her brow. Can you run through the town and make sure everyone is out of their houses? If the doors are locked, make sure you knock and check that the house is empty. We have to get Boff evacuated so we can drive out the rest of the bandits. Some doors were kicked in and he merely had to stick his head inside and give a shout. Most doors weren't locked, as many people left in a hurry. This was no time for courtesy, so he opened the doors, shouted, waited for a response, and ran to the next house. An elderly woman was left alone in one. She was petrified when Seb came in, and seeing her actually gave him a start. She was the first person he stumbled across after checking dozens of houses. There's nothing of value in here, she stammered as she sat in her living room. I'm here to help you, ma'am. I'm not going to take anything. He understood how frightening he must look to some people with his sword and leather armor. I'm a dragon tamer with the Orin, and I'm helping Boft evacuate. He offered his hand to the white-haired woman. I'm sorry, dear, but I can't leave. Why not? My legs just aren't what they used to be. It takes me ten minutes just to reach the kitchen. She pointed behind Seb. The kitchen was the next room over. Well, I can't leave you here. Seb huffed with a grin. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to carry you to the evacuation site. You can't be serious, the elderly woman exclaimed. Sebastian showed her his hands, which were empty. If I had another way... Oh. Seb thumped his fist on the palm of his hand. I'll summon my dragon, and you can ride him to the wagons. The frail woman paled. No, no, it seems there's no choice other than for you to carry me. She mumbled reluctantly. Seb stood next to her chair and stooped down, putting an arm under her legs and around her back. She put her hands around his neck, and Seb lifted her gently. As he walked through the streets, the woman said with a blush, My late husband used to carry me like this when we were younger. You remind me of him. Seb smiled, and the woman added, I think you're a tad more handsome, but don't tell anyone. Seb laughed. That must have been a sight to see, a strapping young man carrying an old woman through ruined streets, laughing. He dropped her off at the wagons and ran back through the streets. He had more houses to check, though Sommer told him Arani was also checking for villagers now. It must have been noon from where the sun was sitting in the sky. He should have felt hungry or weary, but he still had adrenaline pumping through him. He was fine. Seb, Noctay's voice rang in his mind. What is it? Seb asked as he jogged through Boft. There's a woman screaming for help, two streets over, to the right. Seb dashed through an alley and he heard the screaming as he broke through to the other side. His heart was pounding again and he ran to the woman's voice. Boft was very nearly deserted, so the woman's call bounced off of the walls of the empty town. As he ran down the street towards the woman, he saw a house billowing smoke from broken windows on the ground floor. Zan was trying to hold back the screaming woman from the house. You can't go in there, Zan cried. He, too, looked disheveled and grimy. I have to, please, the crazed woman sounded desperate. Please, my baby is upstairs. What's going on? Seb shouted as he neared them. Zan looked relieved to see him. This lady hadn't left her house yet because she didn't want to run into bandits, but they smashed out the windows and set it alight. Zan held her back as she struggled to get around him. 
Tears stained her face. The flames forced her outside before she could get her baby. Seb strained his ears. He could hear the infant wailing through the glass pane on the second floor. Please, please, I have to get him, the woman cried, her voice cracking. I told you, the house is up in flames and will fall down around your head, Zan said roughly. Then you'll both be dead. The woman sobbed, and Seb felt his heart wrench. Before he knew what he was doing, his feet were leading him into the house. Seb, what are you doing? Zan cried, still holding back the woman. The young man raced through the open door wreathed in flames. The house was filled with thick smoke, and it was insufferably hot. It didn't help that the house was made of wood. Seb loosened the bandana he kept around his wrist and fastened it around his head so his mouth and nose were covered. His eyes stung as he found the stairs. The flames hadn't engulfed the stairs yet. Seb raced up the steps, and he heard the harrowing sound of wood creaking. Something crashed to the ground downstairs. Seb peered over his bandana. The smoke was ridiculously thick. He could scarcely see. Bright flames licked underneath one of the doors. Seb couldn't hear the baby anymore. Surely it hadn't perished. He coughed. The smoke was drying out his throat. His bandana was poor protection. Seb, are you okay? Seb felt the anxiety in his dragon's voice. I'm fine. I just need to find the right door. I can't help you with that. But I'm right outside of the house if you need me. Nocte, so faithful and reliable. Nothing would stop him from being at his tamer's side. Thank the greats, the streets were built wide enough for dragons to walk down them. Seb coughed again. His lungs were starting to ache. If only the infant would cry. Seb gingerly touched a doorknob. It was warm to the touch, but not hot. He turned the knob and tentatively pushed open the door. Hot air and smoke burst through the crack, and the young man jumped back. He shielded his face and kicked open the door. Smoke billowed out as he stepped inside the room. He had to walk about the room searching for the infant since the smoke was so heavy. The child wasn't in the room. Seb ran out and saw the flames climbing the stairs hungrily. He was running out of time. His head was spinning and his lungs were screaming for fresh air. By the grates it was hot. There was one door left for him to try, besides the ones with the flames licking the frame. Seb tried the knob. It was cool to the touch. Please let him be in here, Seb thought. He turned the knob, and it stopped fast. He jiggled it. Jammed. Seb glanced over his shoulder. The flames were very near now, crawling along the floorboards. He had no more than a minute before they reached him. Seb threw his shoulder against the door. It barely budged. Curses. What he wouldn't give for Garde's axe. He kicked the door repeatedly. His rapid breathing sucked more smoke into his lungs. The orange flames snaked along the floor and up the walls, carpeting the roof. Come on! Sebastian yelled, slamming into the door. The frame snapped and the door swung open and he tumbled in. The clean air in the room was tainted by smoke immediately. Seb raced across the room to the bassinet and lifted the infant. The child had flushed, warm cheeks, but he stirred when Seb held him. Sebastian turned to the door. Flames were licking around the frame, not to mention the stairs were engulfed. The high window was their only hope. He ran to it, and as his eyes searched the pane, he realized that it didn't have the ability to open. He held the baby to his shoulder and kicked the thick pane. 
It cracked. The room was growing hotter by the second. He kicked the pane again, and the glass shattered. Seb smashed out as much of the glass as he could with his elbow, but it was difficult at the awkward height. Seb grabbed onto the sill and winced as rigid shards pierced his flesh. He hauled himself up and crouched on the sill. Nocte! He shouted and jumped out. The young dragon leapt into action and caught his tamer in the saddle. As soon as Nocte's paws touched the ground, Seb slid off the saddle and pulled down his bandana, coughing hoarsely. You saved him! The woman cried joyfully. She took the whimpering child from the tamer and hurried off to the evacuation point. Seb! Zan dashed over to him. Seb, you idiot! Who runs into a burning building like that? Crates above, look at you! Zan grabbed the young man by his shoulders, half in anger and half in worry. Sebastian coughed until it felt like his lungs were going to come out of his throat. His eyes stung less, and he registered the pain in his right hand. He glanced down at it. It was a bloodied mess of torn flesh and glass, but it was worth it. He and the child were both alive, and all in all, unharmed. Vivin is going to kill me, Zan whispered in a strained tone. Has everyone evacuated? Seb asked in a scratchy voice. I don't know. I've been dealing with this. Zan gestured to the burning house. Go back to the wagons to help finish the evacuation. I'm going to see if there's any more bandits hanging around. Zan backed away with a hand on his sword. And don't get into any more trouble. Nocte nudged Seb's back, and Seb rubbed his dragon's muzzle with his uninjured hand. You can head back to the other dragons, alright? Thank you for your help, buddy. Nocte shook his shapely head. I'll stay with you. Almost everyone is cleared out, so I won't get in the way. Seb couldn't deny his dragon. Nocte lumbered along after his tamer, fitting through the streets as long as he kept his wings tucked. It was quiet around the town, aside from the creaking of burned buildings. They were nearing the evacuation site. Vivin and Alice had joined Sommer and Arani with loading the villagers. Two wagons remained, and a group of people stood waiting to board. Suddenly, someone nearby screamed. A woman was being pinned against a house at the mouth of an alley. A little boy was crying, backing away from his mother and the bandit. Seb shouted and started to run over. The woman tried to push the bandit away, and the boy continued to cry. He couldn't have been more than five years old. The bandit was yelling at her. He drew a dagger and plunged it into her stomach. Seb faltered in shock. The child stopped crying. The woman slumped to the ground, and the bandit fled. Sebastian raced after him, hearing Vivin shout behind him. Seb tore through the alley, and as he ran out into the street on the other side, he saw the bandit hop onto a black feathered dragon. A small group of other tamers were waiting for him, and they took off into the sky. Seb didn't even have time to call for Nocte. His dragon had flown over the buildings and landed on the other side, next to his tamer. Seb jumped onto the saddle, and Nocte took a running start into the sky. Vivin and Alice watched the young tamer follow seven enemy dragons. They had passed the crying little boy and the woman who was bleeding heavily. Kaylee and Ember landed next to their tamers. "'What are you doing?' Vivin asked, ready to mount his dragon. "'I'm going after Seb, with you!' Alice swung her leg over the saddle and glanced down at Vivin. "'It's dangerous, Alice!' "'Obviously! Now come on!' Alice called as Ember launched into the sky. "'They're going to be the death of me,' Vivin muttered under his breath as he mounted Kaylee. 
Thanks for listening to Chapter 11 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Till next time, keep slaying anything but dragons.